Hello and welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zemperoper in Dresden, Germany. We're sticking with German diction again this week with a bevy of low-voiced men, basses Torsten Grumbel and Georg Zeppenfeld, as well as baritone Christoph Pohl, are back to discuss some unstressed closed vowels, another quick look at U-umlaut and O-umlaut, long sentences, and when the combination I-E is pronounced separately in German. Our texts for today are the Goethe poem Anacreon's Grab and Wie Melodien zieht es mir by the poet Klaus Groth, a close friend of Johannes Brahms. A good friend of mine had a situation this week that I think will speak to all of us. She wrote something mildly negative in an email that then got forwarded on to her current employer, which precipitated a very professional but rather sharp reprimand telling her that she was out of line. She's young and pretty new to her profession, and it scared her that she may just have destroyed all of her chances of being invited back to that job or of going further there. I just wanted to bring this story up because it happens to all of us. Unfortunately for me, I've stuck my foot in my mouth more times than I'd like to admit. And also, more often than I'd like, I catch young singers posting negative comments and opinions on Facebook. I really want to caution everybody against that, because even if you don't name names, remember that this business is crazy small. If I know where you're working, or if you even mentioned that in an earlier post, I automatically know who the conductor and director of the piece are, which means pretty much everybody knows. Now, I'm not saying that everyone is out to get everybody else. For some reason, opera singers get portrayed as hopelessly insecure and backstabbing, always looking to get rid of their colleagues. In reality, I see very little of that, but it does seem like people have a hard time figuring out boundaries in professional relationships sometimes. One of my first years teaching college, I was only 23 and my students were 18 or 19. One of them tried to tell me something, but he prefaced it by saying, now you can't listen to this as my teacher. And my answer was, then don't tell me because it's inappropriate. As much as I may have seemed like a friend to him, I was still his teacher, and there is a line there. The same is true in an opera house, in a university, in a bank, in a restaurant, anywhere that there's a hierarchy. Make sure that you have a circle of friends that you can vent any negative feelings to, and otherwise, be positive and constructive. As I mentioned before, I've said a few things over the years that I regret, and I've gotten into trouble for it, but in the end, talent and hard work do pay off. I mean, I'm still working, right? In fact, one place where I really thought I had burned a bridge gave me a second chance, and it became a fabulous working relationship for quite a few years. This is a business, after all, and when they saw that I really wanted to and could do the work, that's what mattered. So if you find yourself in hot water over something that you said or something that you did, remember that not everyone in the world knows what happened. Try to look at it as constructively as you can, learn from the situation, and just keep doing your work. I'll post links to the texts for today at the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. Don't forget the the. You can also find The Diction Police on Facebook or on Twitter under at Diction Police. Our first text today is Anacreon's Grab, a poem by Goethe most famous in the Wolf setting. Anacreon was an ancient Greek poet whose poetry was intended to be sung or recited over music. Wikipedia listed several fun current references to him. First, 
The music for our American national anthem is actually the tune to the official song of the Anacreontic Society in London. And second, Da Ponte used a poem of Anacreon as a model for Leporello's aria in Don Giovanni. Anacreons Grab Wo die Rose hier blüht, wo Reben und Lorbeer sich schlingen, wo das Turtelchen lockt, wo sich das Grillchen ergötzt, welch ein Grab ist hier, das alle Götter mit Leben schön bepflanzt und geziert? Es ist Anakrions Ruh. Frühling, Sommer und Herbst genoss der glückliche Dichter, vor dem Winter hat ihn endlich der Hügel geschützt. That was Thorsten Grümbel reading Anacreon's Grab. And I think the first thing that comes to my mind when I see this is just the fact that this whole first page is one big sentence. Ja, das ist richtig. Ein Satz und äh, mit einer Frage in der Mitte. Exactly. So the, it's one, one sentence with a question actually in the middle of the sentence. Ja, welch ein Grab ist hier. Which is really the whole point of that first page. Am Anfang soll man neugierig werden. Und es steigert sich bis, welch ein Grab ist hier, wie ist das so schön, dass alle Götter mit Leben so schön bepflanzt und geziert. Jetzt kommt es, es ist Anakrions Ruh. Exactly, so you start the whole thing off with curiosity, what, what kind of thing is this, because it's saying all these, where this is and where that is and where this is and where that is. What for grave is here? What grave is here, exactly. And then, then it goes on to describe the grave again. And then we finally get it on the beginning of the second page. And again, when, it's, when this last sentence starts, it's completely backwards, right? Ja, Frühling, Sommer und Herbst genoss der glückliche Dichter. Eigentlich, der Dichter genoss Frühling, Sommer und Herbst. <laughs> exactly, so the poet actually enjoyed spring, summer and fall. Mm. This is why I talk about mm. getting the grammar of the sentence, trying to find out where that subject and verb is to figure out what the point is. Mm. And once you have that then you can hang everything else onto it. So what we're trying to get to is... Welch ein Grab ist hier? And then of course we want to know that it's... Es ist Anakreons Ruh. Exactly. And then we want to know Anakreon was a glückliche Dichter. <laughs> Man kann meinen, Frühling, Sommer und Herbst äh, ist... Äh, der Frühling ist die Jugend, der Sommer ist, ist die Zeit des Verliebtseins, der Herbst ist, wenn man etwas älter geworden ist. Und wenn man wirklich krank und so ist, der Winter, er ist, bevor er krank geworden ist, gestorben. Ah, interessant, das habe ich nicht gedacht. Ja, yeah, so he, what he's saying is that you can see Frühling, Sommer und Herbst, Spring, Summer und Fall as the springtime, the summer and the fall of your life. And, but before he ever got sick, before he ever really got old, he passed away. Die Götter haben ihn geliebt. The, yeah, exactly, the gods loved him and the gods, and now the hill protects him yeah. from the winter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so to get on to a couple diction points, we've talked a lot about the word, the Estset, and here we get an Estset. Frühling, Sommer und Herbst genoss der glückliche Dichter. It's an open O, genossen. Genoss. It comes from the verb. Genießen. Which I think we had found in a couple of other arias with things like erschoss, erschießen, and I think there was one more. Fließen, floss. Es floss. 
und fließen. Exactly. So, so we're still, I think we're still seeing the pattern that the IE verbs, when they go to O with the SZ, we still are getting a, an open O. Genoss. But otherwise, there's no pattern. <laughs> yeah. It's, you just have to check every word out by itself. Mm -hmm. Wo die Rose hier blüht. So we start out with two closed O's. Wo die Rose hier blüht. So we get all these closed sounds. Wo Reben und Lorbeer sich schlingen. And again we're following all the regular rules that this, the E in Reben is only followed by one consonant, so... Wo Reben und Lorbeer sich schlingen. Exactly, we get a closed E with the two E's in Lorbeer. Lorbeer mm -hmm. sich schlingen. Es ist nicht Lorbeer. So Lorbeer, die Betonung yeah. ist auf der ersten. Ja, yeah, so the stress syllable is that first one. Lorbeer, sich schlingen, wo das Turtelchen lockt. And actually you and I had a good laugh about this because, <laughs> <laughs> because a turtle in English is a turtle, yeah. you know. And mm. a turtle in German is? Eine Schildkröte. <laughs> I love that word. Yeah. I still can't say that right. Schildkröte. Schildkröte. Kröte. I tried to put too many L's in it. We had a discussion as to whether or not that was a turtle dove or a real turtle, but we think it's a real turtle dove. Wo das Turtelchen lockt. Wo sich das Grillchen ergötzt. And there we get T-Z-T. Ergötzt. So basically what we hear phonetically is T-S-T, which is basically the same thing as we get towards the end, at the at the very end. Vor dem Winter hat ihn endlich der Hügel geschützt. And again we have er götzt, geschützt. Yeah. So and there, there, there we actually have the difference between the open O umlaut and the open U umlaut. It's open, so it's a short sound. And I think he gives you a long time on these notes. How long do you want to hold them? Do you want to hold them out or do you want to try and get the st? Er götzt, geschützt. Es muss lang gehalten sein und äh, ohne Stress yeah. abgesprochen werden. Ergötzt, ergötzt, geschützt. Und man kann es natürlich so lang geschützt. Yeah, so you wanna you wanna hold the vowel out a little bit, but you want you mm. still want clear clear consonants, but without any stress, mm. without any hectic. Yeah, hectic, without hectic. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And then we have obviously the whole point of the song. Welch ein Grab ist hier. Mm -hmm. Grab. Which is a long vowel. Ja, welch ein Grab ist hier. Exactly. And he gives you the time to do that. Dass alle Götter mit Leben schön bepflanzt. And there, that one's fun. P-F-L. Bepflanzt. <laughs> so we really have to get all these sounds out. Pfl. Bepflanzt. Take and the time for it. You have to, because look at this. I mean, when you really look at this word, you see you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven consonants and two vowels. Bepflanzt. So we really need the time of pflanzt. And really, it's almost as though here you're saying N-T-S-T. Ja, auch da muss man Schattenvokale nehmen, damit es verbunden ist. Bepflanzt. Oh, that you voice the L. Yeah, bepflanzt. Yeah, so you feel like you have a shadow vowel a little yeah. bit, so that the voice stays legato. And just his name. His name is Anacreon. So we have a closed E, Anacreon, right? Anacreon. Yeah. A closed E and then an open O. Anacreon's Ruh. This is the, the genitive S 
In English, an N followed by an S, the S would 90% of the time be voiced. Uh-huh. Yeah. So in German, we have to remember Anakreons, that it's just yeah. an S, right? Yeah. Es ist Anakreons Ruh. Yeah, so you can really hear that S sound. It's a sharp S. And I just want to hear the happy, the happy poet one more time together because, again, we have the open U-Umlaut, but then we have an open I. Der glückliche Dichter. Der glückliche Dichter. So basically, the only difference in those two vowels is the Lüch round mm. for Glück. Glückliche Dichter. And otherwise, you leave everything else in the same position. Yeah. As opposed to the long U-Umlaut. Vor dem Winter hat ihn endlich der Hügel geschützt. And there again, we get these back-to-back, -back, these long and short U-Umlaut sounds. Hügel geschützt. In the word Lorbeer, we have an interesting phenomenon. Here, the first syllable is a stressed open O, but the final syllable is long and closed because of that double E. This doesn't happen very often, but just off the top of my head, I realize that it can happen with the words that end in Beere, Himbeere, which is a raspberry, and Brombeere, which are blackberries. And both of those first syllables are short and open, Him, Prom. But strawberries are Erdbeere, where both of the E's are long and closed. Remember how last week Georg told us that we could use a shadow vowel between SH and a voiced consonant? Torsten just said the exact same thing here with the word Bepfelanzt. It's an interesting tool and again reminds us that we really need to take a lot of time over these consonants. We had a lot of words here that end in a whole lot of consonants, usually T-Z-T. When these three consonants come together, it's actually easier than it looks. We know that a German Z is phonetically T-S, but we don't have to separate the first T, the first printed T, from the Z sound. So phonetically, T-Z-T just becomes T-S-T. But in a word like bepflanzt, where it's N-Z-T, then the Z has to have its own phonetic sound. So here the last three consonants would be transcribed as N-T-S-T. And I just wanted to bring up the word Turtelchen again. This is a diminutive of Turteltaube, a turtle dove, not anything about a turtle. But notice that there's no umlaut in this word. When a word ends with this diminutive chen ending, you have to add an umlaut to the root word. Haus becomes Häuschen, Brot becomes Brötchen. But Goethe doesn't use the umlaut here because the umlaut wouldn't have been on Turtel at all. In fact, Turtel comes from an old verb that meant to flirt. So they added that to Taube, which means dove, just as in English we have doves and turtle doves to denote a pair of lovebirds. So the word should have been Turteltaube, which becomes Turteltäubchen in the diminutive. Goethe just used his poetic license to maintain a certain number of syllables in each line. There's no such thing as the noun Turtel in German. Our second text for today is Wie Melodien zieht es mir, one of the most beloved of Brahms' Lieder and the music that I chose for the opening of the podcast. But what I didn't know until this week is that Charles Ives also set this text not long after Brahms did. Ives set at least 18 German poems, most of which are published in his 114 songs. 
but with English replacing the original German. Thomas Hampson recorded many of Ives' Lieder in their original language, but unfortunately, not this text. Wie Melodien zieht es mir leise durch den Sinn, wie Frühlingsblumen blüht es und schwebt wie Duft dahin. Doch kommt das Wort und fasst es und führt es vor das Aug, wie Nebelgrau erblasst es und schwindet wie ein Hauch. Und dennoch ruht im Reime verborgen wohl ein Duft, den mild aus stillem Keime ein feuchtes Auge ruft. That was Georg Zeppenfeld reading Wie Melodien zieht es mir leise and I'm, I always, when I say the title of this, I always go as far as I possibly can because the question is always, where can we breathe in that sentence? <laughs> because most of us want to breathe, wie Melodien zieht es mir leise durch den Sinn. Of course, as I got over to Germany, I'm like, you can't breathe there. That wouldn't make any sense. Zieht es mir has to come together, right? Ja, so where can we breathe? Or should we not breathe? Man sollte, ich finde in der Phrase überhaupt nicht atmen. Erstmal, das, man muss nicht weil es so komponiert ist, dass es, es macht weder musikalisch noch textlichen Sinn zu atmen und man braucht doch eigentlich nicht, finde ich. Exactly. So he's saying, don't breathe, because musically there's no place to breathe, text-wise there's no place to breathe, so don't breathe. So make sure that before the pianist starts that one beat that you have, that you've taken a good tank of breath to get through the phrase, right? Ja, und man muss es halt genießen, dass man in dieser Phrase dann zwei Farben unterbringen kann. Das Blühende der ersten Satzhälfte wird dann abgefangen und, und wird ein weicherer, zurückhaltenderer Klang am Ende der Phrase. Und das kann man ja genießen. Ja, yeah, so he's saying you have, to, you have to enjoy what this first sentence can do without breathing, that, that it blooms in the beginning and that it sort of goes away and travels away by the end of it. And, and you can enjoy that more if you don't breathe and don't give yourself another yeah. tank up in the middle of it all. That second word there, of course, in English, the word is melody. So we want to open that vowel and say melodien. Mhm. But it's a closed vowel, right? Ich weiß nicht, ob ich sage, würde ein, ein geschlossenes E. Bei der großen Bandbreite an E, die wir haben, würde ich es etwa in der Mitte ansiedeln. Denn und es, ist, es ist halt nicht betont. Mhm. Wenn es bedeutungstragend oder äh, betont wäre, dann würde man das geschlossene E wählen wahrscheinlich. Ich glaube, es ist, hat so einen, einen, einen Mittelwert wie melodien. Melodien, me, me, melodien. So what he's saying is that it's it's unstressed. If it were actually a stressed part of the word, it would be closeder, would be more closed. But because it's unstressed, it's somewhere between being too open and being a long closed vowel. So almost a short closed vowel. So we don't get too me, but we also don't get too melodien. Richtig. Not so much in the e placement. Richtig. Ich möchte auch eigentlich den den Kontrast erleben zwischen den e zwischen dem I und dem E. You want to hear the, the... Wie, wie Melodien zieht es. Das wechselt ja ständig. Yeah, so we hear the, the contrast between these two, these two sounds back and forth. And actually, I find, it, I find it really interesting that we have V, which is I, E, and it's one syllable, but Melodien is something different. We actually get the two syllables on that I, E sound. Mm -hmm. So we get basically a closed E and then a schwa after Melodien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there aren't many words that do that. Oftentimes with an IE, it's just one syllable, but we have a few like Lilie. Ja, das stimmt. Das liegt hier wahrscheinlich am Plural. 
Yeah, so if it has an IE at the end of the word, because the, the singular would be Melodie, mm. right? Aber Melodie, Melodien, Galerie, Galerien. Und ich denke, das ist äh, regelmäßig so. Yeah, so when it's in the plural form, then we have that second syllable to it. At the end of this first paragraph, we get Duft and Dahin back to back. And first of all, the vowel sound of Duft, I think we all want to close too much. It should be open, right? Yeah, yeah. Das ist ein stumpfer Vokal. Duft. Wichtiger ist dabei das Ft, damit man etwas von Duft spürt. Duft. Duft ist etwas uh, very airy. Exactly. And, uh, the words express this. Yeah, so it's actually almost more important to get that ft, the ft of Duft out than, than the vowel of O. But it's still the cookie vowel, it's still O. Would you say Duft dahin? Would you get the ft and then another D? Yeah. You wouldn't align those two? Nein, würde ich nicht tun. Das ist ähm, auch etwas, was man genießen kann. Das, das ist zufällig, nicht zufällig sind es zwei weiche Ds, äh, das ein, was der Sprache einen sehr sinnlichen Charakter verleiht an der Stelle und genau darum geht es ja und schwebt wie Duft dahin. Ja, yeah, so you don't want to connect them because you want to you hear those two D, D, Duft dahin and if you skip the T actually, you don't enjoy the D as much, I don't think. Richtig. And what he's saying is you really want to enjoy these consonants because it's It's schwebing. It's uh, floating. Yeah. I just want to compare these these Auslaut uh, at the ends at the ends of words in German. Remember those last consonants can can harden up if it's a final consonant of a word. And we have the word Auge right at the end of the song, but in the middle of the, the song we have Auge without the e at the end, and mm -hmm. then the g becomes harder, right? Yeah, es wird ein k. G am Ende eines Wortes wird k gesprochen. Auge. Aug und Auge. Yeah, so you can hear how that the G then becomes to a, a K when it becomes a K when it's the final consonant of the word. As Zumindest a, ist es in diesem Fall so. Es gibt, den, es gibt auch den umgekehrten Fall, wie zum Beispiel bei, bei ewig mm -hmm. und ewiglich. Ja. Yeah. Also das ist genau der, der, das umgekehrte der Fall. Aber wie zum Beispiel bei, bei dem Weg oder dem Sarg hat man das G als K im Wortende. Yeah. yeah, so you could hear the, the word ewig, then the G, that's E-W-I-G, which means ever, and uh, that G is actually soft when mm -hmm. it's normal, but when it, when it ends up with the, uh, the lich suffix, we end up with a hard G, then at the mm -hmm. end, eweglich. Mm -hmm. Partly just because we don't want to get eweglich, it's a whole lot of in a row yeah. too, right? Mm -hmm. And I was actually going to go there too, because they have auch, Here, but it's supposed to rhyme with Hauch. And then we actually do get a CH sound. Mm -hmm. Although it's the back one, it's the Hauch. Mm -hmm. In the second paragraph, we also have a couple of uh, verbs, fast S and erblast S, with a direct object. How much glottal do you do? Or how much do you stop the sound and break between those sounds? Nicht mehr als notwendig ist, um das deutlich abzubilden, was da steht. Also man muss, man muss ja nicht die Gesangslinie mehr als nötig unterbrechen. Aber das, ich denke, dass es auch gerade mit dem, mit dem sogenannten Glottisschlag so eine zweischneidige Sache ist. Man kann ihn aus Ausdrucksgründen sehr deutlich setzen, aber ähm, man kann es ebenso aus Ausdrucks Ausdrucksgründen auch sehr sanft tun. Also ich habe nichts gegen Glottis. Ich versuche eigentlich meistens, ein Vokal neu anzusetzen. Wie es beim Sprechen ist, tut man es dann beim Singen auch. Und es gibt eine große Bandbreite, mit welcher Deutlichkeit das geschehen muss. 
Doch kommt das Wort und fasst es. Hast du eine Glottis gehört? Fasst es. Ich würde nicht sagen Glottis, aber ein Separation. Ja, genau. Ja. genau. Ist, deshalb ist im Deutschen das Wort Glottis Schlag ist irreführend. Es muss kein Schlag sein. Ja. Es muss nur einfach da sein. Es. Und führt es vor das Auge. Das, das ist nichts Gewaltsames, sondern es ist einfach nur deutlich. Ja, yeah. so he's saying that using the word glottis or glottis themselves are a double-edged sword because you can use them very hard, you can use them very soft, depending on the, the impression that you're trying to give in the music. Mm. But even, in, you could hear just here in the examples that he gave, you don't really hear a glottal stop. You don't really hear the back of the tongue going g-g-g-g to make the start of the vowel. Mm. But you hear a sort of separation between the consonant before it das auch. Yeah. As opposed to hearing so much das auch, you don't want to yeah. hear. Kein Druck, keine Gewalt. No pressure, no uh, no pr no force. violence, force, <laughs> Gewalt. <laughs> And what I loved in the third verse was the way you said the word dennoch, <laughs> which is und dennoch, root him. You actually separated it completely from <laughs> what came after that. Yeah. And I've I've never thought of it that way before. Ja, man kann ja auch nutzen, zum Beispiel, dass hier zweimal D steht, einmal am Ende von UND, dann wird es gesprochen wie T, und das dennoch bekommt so viel, so viel Stimme und so viel Gewicht, wie möglich ist, um klarzumachen, dass jetzt etwas Adversatives, etwas anderes kommt. Exactly. Etwas Neues. Also den Gegensatz kennzeichnet man eben auch lautlich, indem man sagt, und dennoch ruht im Reime verborgen wohl ein Duft. Duft hatten wir schon mal. Yeah, so he's saying that with the und, if you, if you finish off the und with the T sound and restart the D, the word dennoch becomes very important. And it really shows you that we're about to say the, the absolute opposite of what we said before. It really, show, it really shows us that something different is coming from what we had already. And it points that up for us. And again, okay, so we had Duft and they rhymed that with Ruf which is the long-closed U, yeah. so they're not the same sound. No, absolutely not. At the very end, we mentioned that Duft and Ruft are part of the rhyme, but they don't rhyme. Remember that the whole short vowel before two consonants rule applies to the root of the word. Since the root of Duft is Duft, which means scent or fragrance, the FT are both the end of that syllable, so we have a short vowel, U. Duft, the cookie vowel. But the word ruft is the third person singular of rufen, to call, where the F alone is the end of the first syllable, so the U is long. This is again why I say look for subject verb. Make sure you can find those things because they have a strong influence on diction in most languages. Melodien. Again, we have unstressed E just as we had with Lorbeer, but in this case, just as Georg said, The E is closed but short. This happens more often than we think. Words like theater, benefits, and words with a Latin prefix DE and RE, like deklamieren, definieren, delicieus, reaktion, and repetieren. I never realized before this that the vowels E, E, and E go back and forth in the first line of this song so much. But I promise that from now on, I will coach it that way. It seems like that will really help to keep all the vowels in one place, which in turn helps negotiate the large range of the opening phrase. And I wanted to point out that 
Just like in Anacreon's Grab, this poem is made up of really long sentences. Each verse is one complete sentence all on its own, which most people never seem to realize. So it's important to build the grammatical structure of the sentences into your musical architecture as you learn it. Otherwise, it feels like short phrases that don't make sense on their own rather than one big cohesive unit. And I completely agree with Georg. For everyone who's going to ask where they can breathe in that first phrase, the answer is you can't. Make sure to get a good solid breath with the pianist so that you're both primed and ready to get through that long phrase together. After working through these interviews, I realized that the word melodien brings up an interesting diction point that can be overlooked all too easily. So I grabbed Christoph Pohl after rehearsal today and asked him to explain it. So I wanted to talk about these I, the, the letters IE at the end of words because they seem to follow different rules than what we're used to. So the one that, that came up actually in this podcast was the word melodie. Yeah. The bad thing about it is like there is no rule. You just have to learn the words where it's melodie or like in, in case of studie, like I don't know the, the English word for that. The studies. Like, yeah, the or studies. a study. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or a study. So you just have to learn them. But it's uh, it's good to know that it's, uh, you only have to s stress the E in the end. So it's melodie, like galerie, or harmonie, or whatever, symphony. Well, when, and, but that actually, when we have that stressed at the end, that's pretty normal. But when it's in the plural. Yeah, then it changed to uh, E, and then you have to make the listener. Hear the the e in the e i e. So melodie. But it's it's still it's the e. It's the important thing. But if it's the the plural like symphonien, uh, still it's the e the e more is, important than the no. Than the than the, the schwa. Is, well, and, yeah, than the schwa. Exactly. Well, we can <laughs> we can talk phonetically. So okay. the the e is the longer part of the syllable, and then the e is the the, yeah. the letter e is the the schwa. But when it's not stressed, sometimes there's still words that that, that the IE is not one single sound, right? Uh, like... Uh, well, like you had mentioned Studie. Studie, like Studie, Tragödie, Lilie, Familie. Um. What about... Um, oh, I, yeah, I coached Mirko on Iphigenie... What's it? Iphigenie in... in Iphigenie. Iphigenie. Yeah. Oh, the and thing actually, is, you have to learn these words where it's like <laughs> <laughs> and feel comfortable about it. And then uh, in, in this kind of words, I don't know why, but it's like this. Uh, it's, it's just another meaning if you say studi or tragödi. Yeah, it sounds funny. <laughs> it sounds funny and wrong. So maybe you can uh, have a feeling for that. When it, so you have to say tragödie and studie. Yeah. Familie. It's like... Yeah, I guess also because as Americans, we would look at that and say family. Yeah. And we want to stress then the wrong syllable too, so familia. And I had one other question because the uh, the only other thing I found along those lines were was the names Mariens and Sophiens. Instead of Marie and Sophie. So in, in the genitive it's Mariens whatever Gedanken. Yeah, or well, I guess Mariens Klage or Sophiens Sophiens. Beschwerde. Well and so, you also like, you come across this in, in when you really do the Baron Rider Zauberflöte, you hear Paminens Stimme. Paminens Stimme, yeah. In, in the spoken language, it's not used very often, but if you use it, it's 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 a sign of 
of a good education. So yeah, so extremely literate. Yeah, it's like my old German teacher is like save the genitive. That well, <laughs> was his plan, because in the like every everyday language, it's 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 kind kind of disappeared. But uh, it's nice if you say it. it's like you sound really super smart. Yeah. Super smart. That's good. <laughs> um, but in in any case, Marie Jens comes from just the name Marie. So we we yeah. uh, again just like we had with melody, it's the stressed syllable. It's a stressed syllable, and the same uh, rule if you have the plural, like yeah. so you have to to make sure that you can hear the e schwa too. So as an American, we learned in German that when e is followed by i, we pronounce it like the i. When I is followed by E, we say E. It's a simple rule, and there are so many easy examples of it, like Liebe, ziemlich, hier, wieder. But there are also rules that aren't so simple. Like we have here, in words that end in a stressed IE in the singular, oftentimes we'll add the schwa sound in the plural, as Christoph said with Melodie, Melodien, Galerie, Galerien, here, the stressed syllable remains on the long E sound. We didn't mention it here, but the word for knee also belongs to this set. The singular is knie, but the plural is knie. There's also a verb knien, spelled K-N-I-E-N, which means to kneel. But in some words, an unstressed I-E at the end is pronounced as two distinct vowels. The ones Christoph mentioned were Studie, Tragödie, Komödie, Familie, Lilie, and Iphigenie. But there are a few others that I've found, like Ferien, which means holiday, and the countries Italien and Spanien. We couldn't find any rules as to why and when these final unstressed I's are pronounced that way, so I think it's just a list that we all have to memorize. It's interesting to note, too, that Zeeps transcribes the letter I in this combination as a lowercased i, and Dudens transcribes it as a lowercased i with a short symbol. But most of the diction books transcribe this as a J-glide. Now remember what I said a long time ago about not all phonetic letters being equal in every language? I've been looking quite a bit into the real study of linguistics lately, and there are tons of IPA symbols that we as singers don't often use. And quite honestly, I think that's fine. Mostly, what we're trying to come up with as singers and coaches is a universal shorthand for most sounds. And there isn't a great difference between a short lowercase i and a j-glide. But there is a subtle difference between the two sounds. So if you really want to be a stickler, then the word lilie would be transcribed almost exactly the way it's spelled. L, lowercase i, L, lowercase i, you can also put a short sign over that if you want, and a schwa. No j-glide at all. And that's all for today. To find out more about Thorsten Grümbel, Georg Zeppenfeld, and Christoph Pohl, or if you have any questions or comments for me, Ellen Rissinger, please visit the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and give it a high rating so that others can find it and benefit from it. Thanks for listening. See you next week.